Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Uvoli. The Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their life to the game of lacrosse and learning about who they are, how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports, and if you're a coach or a parent, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. You can ditch the emails and spreadsheets. The free Game Changer Team Manager app streamlines communication, scheduling, and live scoring into one easy-to-use app. Game Changer Team Manager is 100% free for your entire team. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager or search for Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. Today in the show, we have the head coach of Maryland women's lacrosse, Kathy Reese. Coach Reese is one of the most decorated coaches in college lacrosse. She's been a three-time national coach of the year. She's led the Terps to four national championships, 10 final fours, and 19 conference championships in total over her career as a player, assistant, and head coach for Maryland. Coach Reese has earned 11 NCAA championships. That's incredible. Coach Reese and I got a chance to talk about a lot of things for this episode, like developing patience as a coach, learning to let things fall into place, building team chemistry, leading from the top, focus, and much, much more. If you're a player or a coach, you won't want to miss this episode. Here's my interview with Coach Reese. Coach Reese, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation. So let's get started like I always do. How'd you get started playing lacrosse? Oh boy, a long time ago. Um, <laughs> my first pick, picked up my first stick uh, with my two older cousins. I have um, one cousin that is three years older than me and one five years older than me, and they had played growing up. Um, I didn't start playing officially until seventh grade okay. on my middle school team. And, um, that was my real, you know, start with it. I played two years in middle school, went to private school through eighth grade and then switched to the public school near us where my two older cousins went and mm-hmm. followed in their footsteps and, and played lacrosse there. Right. And what, what other sports did you play when you were growing up? Um, oh gosh, a little of everything, mm-hmm. uh, soccer, uh, softball, basketball. I used to dive and swim. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think it, it, whatever you could do back then, you know, that, right. um, that was fun and competitive and, and uh, would kind of keep you busy. But uh, those things that, again, just didn't, didn't get to start lacrosse. It wasn't real big uh, for our youth as it is now. You know, my kids play when they you know, started, gosh, turned four or five. They got a stick in their hand. But we have so many more opportunities now than we did back then you know, to start lacrosse at an early age. So right, right. Um, it was a little bit different back then. Right. So uh, at, at what point? At what point for you did lacrosse become something that you started to think about, hey, I want to play this at the next level. I want to play this in college. Yeah. So uh, when I left, um, I went to McDonough through eighth grade. And when I left and went over to Mount Hebron, um, my again, where my two older cousins went, my older one was getting ready to start playing lacrosse at the Naval Academy. And Mount Hebron High School had a really strong girls program. And mm-hmm. PJ Kesmodel uh, was the coach there. And and uh, I started playing for him and just really uh, just became connected and fell in love with the sport and had such a, a great time competing in high school. We won a lot, won a lot of state championships and 
um, and just really grew as a player through him. And we had a lot of players from our program go on to play in college. And so I mm-hmm. thought, hey, maybe that would be a possibility and something I was interested in, in doing as well. Right, right. And once you had that thought, was it, did sort of all the other four, uh, all the other sports fall by the wayside or did you continue playing those sports as well up until you got to college? Continued as well. So in, in high school, I played soccer, basketball, and lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Um, for for my first couple years, and then um, I stopped playing basketball. I ran indoor track, but um, mostly would play lacrosse. Still, you know, year round, we had a fall league, you know, a winter indoor league, and stuff right. like that. Um, but yeah, you know, that kind of just sort of stepped up and, and took over everything else. But um, mm-hmm. again, had a lot of great friends. Our team was really good. Um, lots of people again going on to, to different programs to play. And it was just a, a really fun time to be involved in the sport. Right, right. And, and, you know, I mean, it's become almost a cliche at this point. But for anybody, uh, you know, when you're recruiting for Maryland, is that the type of player that you're looking for um, when you recruit them, somebody who's a multi-sport athlete? Well, I do. I love multi-sport athletes. I think, too, um, there's, there's something – there's something special to being able to play multiple sports. It's fun mm-hmm. to compete. It's fun to be on teams with other people, to learn from different coaches, to learn the skills in other sports. And I think, you know, when I look back at myself and, and why I wanted to play is because you love the competition. You love to learn. I wasn't great at a lot of sports, mm-hmm. you know, but I did you know, try hard and, and again, love to compete and love to learn. So right. yeah, you know, whenever you're out and about recruiting, it's fun to see these, these players that have the opportunity to just, uh, really just become engaged in different sports and different activities and, and participate and compete and grow and learn and develop their skills. And right. and so definitely being a well-rounded athlete is something that's very attractive. Right, right. Yeah, the the, the thing that I always say, I, and I've, I've said on the podcast before, is when you when you look at an athlete who is playing multiple sports, the chances that they are the go-to person on every team is very low, right? So that means that they get so many different perspectives on, you know, how to be uh, maybe a utility player on one sport versus, you know, the go-to person on another. Mm -hmm. And they just learn how to play all these different positions. It just makes them a well, a much more well-rounded athlete and a teammate. Right. And you just, I think you learn a lot about yourselves, you know, in being able to, to play different sports, you know, you learn how to push yourself, you learn what you're capable of and, and I think it's it's great to be coached by different people and to learn the different skills associated with all of them. So right. it definitely helps you across the board mm-hmm. um, you know, because you're aware of what's going on, your IQ, your field sense, that kind of stuff can translate from one sport to the other for sure. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, so let's move on to your, your time in college. What made you uh, decide on Maryland? Cool. Well, um, So when I was a senior in high school, um, again, back in the day, uh, we, you know, that was still a part of the recruiting time where you took your official visits, you know, meaning that you could go and visit, visit up to five schools um, that would invite you onto their campuses for, you know, 40 up to 48 hours and just kind of show you around and and take care of you there. So I took my five visits to University of Maryland, uh, University of Virginia. I went to William and Mary. I went to Princeton, and I went to Dartmouth. And um, you know, back then, again, when you took your visits, you had the opportunity to really see all of these different schools and meet the teams and learn about the programs and the school and and all of that um, sort of thing. And I think each of my visits was was very different, but all fantastic schools, great coaches, um, just so many cool opportunities you know that you had there. And it took me a while to decide. I think. 
at the end of it, when, when it came down to it, I decided that Maryland was the best fit for me because I wanted to, I wanted to play lacrosse there. I wanted to be close to home. I wanted to be in an area where my family could come and watch me play easily. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play for Cindy Tim Shaw. I love the style of lacrosse that Maryland played. They were fast. They love the transition game. They great stick work. They like to score a lot of goals. And, and that was very similar to my high school style that I played under PJ Kazmoto. And so everything just sort of, sort of seemed to be the right fit, you know, just fell into place there that this is the best place for me to get a great education, be close to home. So my family could see me play and, um, you know, it's far enough away that I'm on my own, but close enough too that I could, you know, come back and, and see my parents or see my little sister or whatever it may be. And, and then also be on a program that's going to compete for national championships each year. Right. Right. And, you know, I know that we can probably do a whole nother podcast just about your playing career, but for this one, we're going to focus on, on your coaching career. But, uh, but I'm curious, uh, I'm always curious about anybody who talks about how they decided on a school that first mm-hmm. semester, if you if you can remember, did you feel like it was a fit right away? Was it a smooth transition from high school to college? No, it was it was very. I think it's it's always really eye opening when you transition from high school to college. You know, there's so much just more freedom and, and flexibility in your classes and your organization. You need to be on on point. You know, from the start and. Um, you, I know as every freshman does, I think no matter what school you go to, you step on campus, you go to that first pro first practice with your team. And, and of course you're nervous, you know, you're, you're really, you're just not intimidated, but just nervous because you want to do so well, but you're not sure of how you're going to fit in with the program or the team and how your playing style is going to fit in. And again, this was at a time where you met your teammates when you first, stepped on the campus your freshman year right. you know now nowadays it's a little different because kids are deciding a little earlier through social media and cell phones all this stuff i'm dating myself here yeah. you know they have the ability <laughs> to communicate in emails and text you know with their future teammates and roommates and follow them and follow their high school careers and their seasons and they see each other in club ball right. um and stuff which we just never did so you were really meeting a lot of people when you first stepped on campus and so yeah. it was um it was an awesome experience, but definitely a challenging one. You know, right. you had to come in and, and there's a lot of work to do to make sure that, um, or to get yourself to the point where you could help this team out and help compete for, again, for a national championship on a team that had so many talented and great players. Right. Right. Can you talk a little bit about how you overcome, uh, how you overcame that initial nervousness? Cause I'm sure everybody, even today probably still feels it. Right. Yeah, well, I think I think they definitely still still feel it. I think that the main difference, um, like I said, is that these players know each other prior to coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, is that the players, no matter what school you go to, they know who else is in their class. They can mm-hmm. see them when they play club lacrosse. Um, they can follow their high school games and whatever on the internet. You know, there's a lot there's a lot of opportunities for kids to connect prior to college mm-hmm. than there was. You know, for us in the past, you know, then it was, you know, you showed up to, you might call on a landline phone and say, hi, I'm Kathy. I'm your roommate. Do you have a TV? You know, (laughs) or or do you want me to bring one? Um, Because there's no way to really connect, you know, prior to that. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think as time went on, there's, there's, whenever you you go to college, you're doing a lot of stuff off the field too, with your team, you're getting 
you know, your teammates, you're lifting and you're conditioning and you're training. Mm-hmm. Then you get the sticks in your hand and you're practicing. And, you know, as time goes on, as it does for any, any student athlete that's trying out, I know we're going through high school tryouts right now. You know, my son's trying out for high school soccer right now and mm-hmm. is in the same boat as a freshman, you know, where he's trying to meet the people on his team, but he's also trying to compete and, you know, do the best that he can. That um, it's such a cool experience, challenging at times, but it all works itself out, you know, as you start to get to right. know each other and, and, you know, learn all the strengths of, of your team and then the strengths that you can bring to the table and how you can help be a good teammate and help your team out. So mm-hmm. um, freshman year is tough, whether it's high school, whether it's college, uh, even if you're a transfer, your first semester in with a new group is tough too, mm-hmm. uh, especially when there's three years of people that have already played together and know each other. But, um, you know, I think the thing with at least my experience is my teammates were, it was really, were welcoming. You want you want to be on a team and that, you know, you're all working towards a common goal, trying to be the best that you can. And so mm-hmm. it was, um, that's what made the transition smoother. I think, again, the hardest part is just getting used to managing, you know, college and lacrosse and playing at such a high level with the best players in the country. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and it's always, it's always hard to, uh, you know, try to tell uh, a younger kid, you know, a kid who's a freshman in high school or a kid who's about to be a freshman in college, even that, you know, the only thing that you can do in that situation is do the best you can. And like you said, all the pieces will fall together. Things will work out as long as you're trying to do the right thing, trying to do the best that you can every day. Right. That's right. And that's like my text to my son this morning when he went for his first trial. That's exactly what I said is, huh. is work hard and do your best and just be yourself. Right, you know, and yeah. that's it. I think that's it that you can do for high school or for college is don't try to be anybody you're not. You know, be yourself. Um, enjoy the opportunity. We're so fortunate that we have these opportunities to play at, at you know, at this, this level, no matter what level it may be, and, right. and to compete. So enjoy that opportunity and experience and, and do the best you can. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so let's move on, uh, you know, to the start of your coaching career. What made you mm-hmm. want to start coaching? So that one's, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, Cindy, Tim Shaw at Maryland shoot a bunch of camps and, and mm-hmm. we would always as, as college players work all of her camps throughout during the summer. And, and I really enjoyed teaching. I loved teaching the game. Mm-hmm. I loved being around kids. I didn't have a specific age. I loved the, the older, younger, whatever. I just loved being able to teach the game and being around people and really just interacting, um, interacting with them. And it, that was, um, I never really thought about coaching as a career, but I did that every Mm -hmm. summer of college. And then when I graduated, um, there was a spot open on the Maryland staff uh, Mm -hmm. for a second assistant. And so Cindy and Gary, and then there was a spot open and I just kind of fell into it. And so Mm -hmm. um, it was such a cool opportunity for me to be able to work along two of the best coaches in the sport Mm -hmm. and who I played for. So I knew really well, and they knew me really well. And, and now I could learn from them as far as the, the college coaching aspect went. And so I fell into a role at, at Maryland um, with the two of them where I stayed for five years uh, before you know moving on. And three of those years, I worked with Gary. And then when Gary moved on, uh, Jen Adams was hired. And so Jen and I and Cindy worked together for a few years uh, there too. So I've mm. been, again, really lucky when you look back at it or fortunate right. to work alongside such awesome people and great coaches and teachers and teachers of the game and people that just love the sport. You know, they're passionate about what they do. They care about uh, the people they coach. And that, that was a really, that was a cool starting point for me that I think just kind of 
solidified what I wanted to do as I moved forward. Mm-hmm. So you, uh, you know, you coached uh, every summer leaving, uh, leading up into the end of your senior year. And then you said this position, you sort of just fell into the role. Um, so was it right away that you started thinking about coaching as a career right then? Or did that come a little later? Well, um, so I finished school. I took a uh, fall semester my fifth year and took two classes and stayed on as kind of an undergraduate assistant. And then uh, when I graduated in December, the other person who was coaching there at the time had left. And so there was a job position open. So I could stay on in that, you know, to apply and and was hired in that position to be able to now be a a paid assistant. I went to grad school for a few years. You know, I went Mm -hmm to Loyola to for maybe two or three years there to try to get my MBA um, before right. I moved to Denver. Never finished because I moved out West. Right. Um, but at that point, initially, I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was kind of all over the place. And, yeah. and then um, it was, again, had experience, loved what I was, was doing and to be able to just kind of learn from the best out there. And, and I already loved doing that. I just had never really thought that that was I don't know, just never really thought that that was a career that I would get into. But right. um, sure enough, as things fall, fall into place, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> so so that, that first year, um, what would you say some of the biggest lessons you learned, uh, maybe about yourself, but also about being a coach? Well, the hardest part for me my first year was that I was coaching my former teammates, mm-hmm. you know, and, and players that when I, that I had when I was a, a senior you know, all the way down the, the freshman year. So I was coaching three years of my teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was tough, you know, because you were kind of in that role where you're still friends with them. And, and then on the other side, you're trying to, you know, coach them, but you were just their teammate playing. So it's it's hard when you're, that's a, that's a tough spot to be in when you're coaching your teammates in a spot where you just graduate. Yeah. Uh, however, um, with that, we had such talented players on our team and being able to just kind of watch what those guys could do, even when I was their teammate into their coach and watch what some of those players could do and put together was, um, I learned a lot from them. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily them even learning a lot from me, but just learning how to, to put all these pieces of the puzzle together and learn how to um, in addition to stuff kind of behind the scenes in the office and recruiting and how all that kind of stuff works, but right. watch these awesome, talented players on the field, put things together and, and learn from Gary about key things of doing stuff on offense and Cindy defensively and just mm-hmm. kind of the whole mental aspect of the game. So you just kind of take a different approach to it when you, you can put on your coaching hat and step out of your playing hat. Right, right. Yeah, you're sort of, uh, you're sort of seeing things from above almost. It's when just you're, a different when you're angle, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, so I'm curious, how did you handle that transition from being a player or a student going into coaching and coaching the people that you were literally just hanging out with? You were spending, you know, 16 hours a day with, and you still are at this point, but, uh, you know, from a different position. How did you handle that transition from player to coach? Well, it was, um, it was, it's, it, that's, it's a challenge, you know, because they're still your best friends and, um, you know, that, that piece of it isn't going to change. You know, once you once I graduated too, I actually started teaching, um, I did a long-term sub job, um, for elementary school, physical education at a school near me in that spring. And then in the following fall, I took over and I taught part-time middle school PE mm-hmm. and I taught three classes a day at a private school in the morning. And then I would come down to Maryland in the afternoon. 
um, uh, to coach. So for me, you know, when you get to kind of that point in your life, you are separate from them. You know, you're trying to, right. to make, make your own money and, and kind of, and, and work hard to be able to pay the bills and to get everything done and accomplished and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. you are a little bit separate from there, but I think, you know, in, in looking back on all of it, it was, um, it was such a cool experience to just be a part of so many great teams. You know, and as assistant coach, our teams won three national championships um, with my teammates that were freshmen, you know, when I was a senior, you know, so as they kind of continued through and so it was just really, really neat to be a part of all that and to share those experiences with them and, and just help kind of be their voice and liaison, you know, as much as I can, like how can I, how can I help guide them and, and just, you know, be a coach, be a friend, be a mentor, you know, to, to help them succeed the, the best that they can during their, the rest of their college years. Right, right. So, so if you can, can you talk about, um, tell us the story about how the Denver job uh, came about. Uh, this was after Maryland, right? What was this, 2004? Yeah, so, um, nah, three, actually, I think. Yeah, yeah okay. three. So um, this was actually interesting. Um, I met... So my husband now, Brian Reese, and I dated all through college. He was a lacrosse player at uh, Maryland as well. And we had just um, gotten married in June of 2003. Hmm. And he was playing professional indoor lacrosse out in Colorado. So he was playing for the Colorado Mammoth out there. Hmm. And so he was flying to Denver a lot at that point. Um, and so we were talking one day and we both were from Maryland. We both went to Maryland, you know, it was like, if we were ever going to move anywhere, where would we go? Mm-hmm. You know, and his first response was Denver. So I can stop flying every weekend, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and just kind of crazy enough. So the next day, the job at the university of Denver for the women's across position opened. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of felt like this was an opportunity that maybe we should look at and, and see if it was you know, something that was interest us. And again, we just were married for maybe a month mm-hmm. um, at this point, and maybe it was something worth looking into. So sure enough, we did um, went out there, interviewed, took the job and, and made the move to Colorado at the end of, of August mm-hmm. of that year and where we stayed for three years. And it was definitely um, a different experience, um, but a cool experience at that and just got to see the way a whole nother university works and, just system out there. And it was good for us at that point in our life. And, right. um, it was, it was great. Yeah. Uh, so if you can, can you talk a little bit about, um, how you handled that transition? I mean, you know, you said you, you grew up in Maryland, you went to school in Maryland, your first coaching job was in Maryland, and then you take a job at Denver, um, halfway across the country in a completely different university. How did you handle that transition, you know, at a different school and a, a different team? Well, I think the the hardest, the, not the hardest part, but the the biggest thing for me was really learning how and understanding how different schools do different things, you know, and I only knew things one way because that had been my whole experience with it. And just having the opportunity to learn from the other coaches on staff at the University of Denver and and learn from the players and the teams. And again, it was a small school here. I was at a big state school at Maryland. Um, for example, you have classes offered, you know, sections offered of classes all day long. You know, you could take a freshman English class at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, you can get whatever right, section. Yeah. And then out in Denver, it might be two, might be Mondays and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. You know, and there's right. one class of it because the school itself is, is a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. So 
even learning something as simple as that when you're trying to 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 work through things, um, you know, to try to even schedule practice to have all of your athletes there. And, you know, lots of things were different that I just had never even knew, you know, or had thought of because it was my experience was a certain way all the way through. So um, it was cool for Brian and I out there too, because he was playing out there and, um, you know, just, we knew a lot of people in the area, you know, and, and were able to just, you know, just had had friends out there and things, but mm-hmm. it was good for us and newlyweds to kind of try something new and be on our own and right. and really try to build Denver to do the best we could out there with the, mm-hmm. the women's program. Right. And, and so, so how did you approach that initial challenge where, you know, this is your first, first time as a head coach, um, you know, and you're entering a, uh, you're entering a new university, a new school. Did you, did, did part of you want to, you know, come in, uh, obviously the academic stuff and the amount of, uh, you know, the times that classes were offered, there's nothing you can do about that. But did you approach it as, you know, I'm the new head coach. I, this is how I want to run things. Or did you try a mix of like, here's the, here are the things from the old team that I think works versus what I know from Maryland that works and try to mix the two. How, how did you, how did you approach that? Um, well, I had the assistant stayed on that was there before me. And so that was, she was great to have as a, just a a resource, you know, of how things are done out there and just Mm -hmm. a different connection to the players. I think the hardest part for me was when I started, I expected results from the start, you know, and, and I had expected, I mean, I, I, I don't even know what the final number was, but you know, here I lost four games in four years in college, you know, and so to come in and, and I, I was scheduling these teams that I played, you know, <laughs> so I'm going to still play the Dukes and the Northwesterns and, you know, whoever I could, but just, and just dove right in. And I think um, that was, that was challenging where I mm-hmm. needed to really kind of take a step back and take time to build things mm-hmm. um, as opposed to expecting you know, to be ahead of where we were. But um, I will say we had some, some really great players um, that had come through there that were part of the team alums. Um, we got some great recruits in there and, and we really you could start to make a difference and you could see it mm-hmm. as, uh, over the course of the next couple of years. Um, and they've continued to, you know, Liza's done a great job out there and the program is, has continued to grow and develop and, Mm-hmm. Um, it's been, that's been really cool to watch and follow too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the hardest part for me as a first time head coach was just kind of diving in and expecting to be able to be, you know, where I was right. as an assistant with Cindy. Right. Right. And so how did you, if you can talk a little bit more about that, how did you develop that? Uh, I, I guess the right word would be patience. How, how did you develop that, that patience coming from a program that was so successful Um, you know, to one where, um, uh, you know, I don't want to say you had to build things up, but, um, you know, you had to sort of, yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just different, you know, and a different conference. We were playing schools I'd never played before. You know, I didn't have experience playing, you know, the Stanford's and at that point, the other schools in the MPSF. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that I even have an answer to it. I think a lot of it was just learning how things worked out there. Um, learning the kind of recruiting base you know, and what areas you were looking, learning about Colorado lacrosse, um, 
learning about what was going on locally and then kind of seeing where your players have come from and, and figuring out the recruiting piece of how you're going to you know, bring athletes in here and what's so special about the University of Denver. Right. Um, and sure, there was, there was a lot. So as you kind of learned how things went over time, um, as we got to know our players on the team and we continued to recruit and watch these players continue to develop, mm-hmm. um, we had a really – we had a really great group, you know, that was a lot of fun to be around, a lot of fun to coach. And um, after our, gosh, it was my first year, um, you know, Jen came out to Denver too and -hmm. coached with me. And that was great because not only was she one of my great friends, but she's an excellent coach. And so, you know, we share a lot of the same lacrosse background and, and that was great to just kind of continue to build what we had started and, and try to do a lot of things from developing the area around Denver to continuing to do what we could to try to make the best program we could out there. Right, right, right. right. So if you can tell us the story about how you ended up back at Maryland. So um, I had read or seen one day or heard, I don't remember how it happened, that um, you know Cindy Timshaw had taken over at Navy. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that was just I think just kind of surprised you know, by all of it like right. um you know, she's had such success and I can't imagine her anywhere else at Mar- besides Maryland <laughs> mm-hmm. because that's where I'd already known her you know and it played for her and worked with her and and she was all about that you know to mm-hmm. me and and um I got a call from one of the administrators at Maryland and just had asked if it was something I'd be interested in and and of course I was you know knocked off my feet like I I knew I needed to get head coaching experience um, somewhere if I was ever going to be able to come back to, you know, a program such as Maryland and, and just to have the opportunity kind of in front of me and, and then come and ask, I was, you know, blown away and, and, um, it, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was quite an honor to even be considered for selection at this point. Right. Um, in addition to this, I was about 35 weeks pregnant with my second kid. Hmm. So it was a little, um, the timing was, was challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, I loved what we were building at Denver. I loved the team. I had a great recruiting class coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian, my husband, loved what he was doing. You know, it was, we had a, a our other son was two years old at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was a, kind of a lot of stuff to consider, you know, right. before we could make that final decision to come back. And, um, you know, one of their administrators came out to Colorado and met with me for a while. And, and um, we just really connected and I'm so passionate about the university of Maryland. I, I right. love Maryland and I just kind of couldn't believe that this was an opportunity because I just never really, I don't know, just hadn't really thought about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, after, um, after a little while of just kind of thought and conversation, you know, I called Cindy again and I said, what do you think? And she's like, you have to go, you know, like this mm-hmm. is, this is the job you need to take. Like this is your, you know, just, such right. kind words. And again, when you have somebody that you've looked up to and, and, you know, played for, worked for, done all that, it was just cool to hear that. And, you know, I yeah. was able to talk to Jen and, and she was excited about the opportunity to go back to mm-hmm. a place where she played too. And we worked. So everything just kind of started to fall into place. And so accepted the job and decided to come back, came back the end of August. Um, pretty, you know, pretty quickly after, yeah. after deciding to take the job because school was starting. And I think I came back and pretty much, you know, went and met the team because we were starting school. So right. that was, that was kind of how that process went. It was a quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up having my second child at the end of September. So it was, mm-hmm. um, wow. that was a tough, tough transition at first to come <laughs> a lot back. Of and, stuff going on. <laughs> a lot of stuff, take a yeah. new job, you know, find a place to live back here and, 
um, and we had got a two-year-old at the time and, and having our second baby and taking over Maryland. And it was, it right. was um, obviously the place I'd always wanted to be, uh, mm-hmm. but just hadn't really thought that opportunity would come when it did. But right, right. It but, is what it is, and and it was a great opportunity, and, and here we are. Yeah, had to jump on it, right? Um, yep. So, so how did it feel coming back to your alma mater? Was it more? Were you more excited, or did you feel more uh, sort of pressure to to carry the le- the legacy of of uh, somebody like Coach Tim Shaw? Oh my gosh, I don't. To be honest, I don't even know what I thought at that point. I think everything <laughs> was just kind of everything was happening so fast. And mm-hmm. I was so emotional to begin with. Um, so excited about working with um, the players at Maryland, being back at a school that I knew and I believed in and, and had a, a great, just knew the people in the athletic department. And you just, again, I'm just so passionate about the lacrosse program there and all of the tradition behind it that I was a part of. And so, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, once we came back and got settled, it was tough. You know, I was given my first roster had, had a lot of people on it mm-hmm. and I needed to have tryouts and I needed to cut some people down. And that was one of the mm-hmm. harder things I've ever had to do right. um, in my, in my career, but it was the right thing to do at the time. So I could kind of manage, you know, what I was taking on and um, continue to, to go from there. And so that was, that was tough. I, I really, I didn't enjoy any of that. I, that was made for a really just awful couple of months. Right. Um, but it, it was what was important and what was best for the program. And so you put the program before any of our, you know, other kind of feelings and thoughts, that's what needed to be done. And so, um, you know, Jen and I kind of took that on and, and um, were able to come up with the team that we wanted to go out and and compete with from that point. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been, you know, it's always college coaching is, is always, it's it's always a challenge. You know, you're recruiting new athletes each year. You're graduating phenomenal people, Mm -hmm. um, great players, but more importantly, great people every year and, and bringing new faces into your program that you get to learn about and, and meet. I don't know. And so here we are, however many years later, I think this is maybe year 13 and starting. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I think it's 13. So, so how do you, how do you approach, um, or how did you approach setting the tone for a new program, especially because it's a program that you played under and you played at, you were very familiar with, was it about setting a new tone or, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, a new philosophy, or was it trying to continue on the tradition that's already been there? Yeah, I think that was it. I think it was trying to continue on the tradition of Maryland lacrosse. Mm -hmm. You know, Maryland has been, um, has had such success over the years. And mm-hmm. yes, some years are better than others. Um, but at the same time, there's been success in both the classroom um, and on the field. And so, you know, when, when it kind of came in, it, it wasn't really trying to change things because listen, everyone I learned from were the people that were there before, right. you know, I again played for and learned from, and all I knew was from high school to college was, Playing for Cindy, she's the one that had been there for so many years. So, mm-hmm. you know, you learn things as you go of things you don't want to do, things you do want to do, and how you can kind of put your own stamp on the program. And and one of the most important things to me when I was a player there was um, the chemistry of the team, you know, and mm-hmm. just really watching how people interacted with each other and the friendships that are made, the relationships that are built. And I mean, I think that's what this is, that's what everything is all about. And just really kind of 
just trying to refresh that, you know, and, and for me personally, just remember that, that that was what was important to me. And I want these players to come in here and have fun and love the thrill of competition, love working hard, love competing, but more importantly, love their teammates, you know, so they can graduate and say they had a great experience at the university of Maryland, just as I can say about it. So I don't think it was changing anything. I was think it was just kind of carrying on the, the tradition of Maryland lacrosse that was set from, you know, the coaches before us, you know, and, and uh, we could just kind of continue that with, again, that whole philosophy that, that we were hoping our kids graduated and look back and say that was, that was the best four years of their life. Right, right, right. So, so you mentioned you mentioned team chemistry, which is um, absolutely something that's so important. How do you go about making sure that, uh, or how do you go about building that on a team? I know that that might be a hard question to ask, but how do you ensure that, uh, or how do you do your best to make sure that a team has chemistry? Um, I don't know the answer to that. To be honest with you, I think that is a hard question because I think if if there was a simple answer, it would be that way, you know, for every team across the country. But, um, you know, unfortunately, it's not a drill or something that you can do. And I think a lot of it is just just making sure that as as a team, you always have each other's backs. You know, you're looking out for each other. You're pushing each other to be the best that you can be. But you're always Mm -hmm. there to to help out as well. And again, just reinforcing the importance of um, relationships and support and all that stuff. Right. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, I mean, Maryland is obviously one of the most successful programs in women's lacrosse, if not the most successful program in women's lacrosse. And, you know, you've had some undefeated seasons. Um, how do you sort of, how do you approach each year, right? Is there a, is there a new goal every year or is there a consistent theme for each team each and every year that you try to instill in your players? Um, you know, we don't, we don't really talk about and, and results. I think it's, it's understood that if you are coming to Maryland, you want to come to compete for championships. You know, you want to compete for a big 10 championship. You want to put yourself in a position, best position possible to compete for national, you know, national championships. And so it's not really something that, that we discuss, I think you just know you're coming in to try to be the best that you can be to help make the people around you better Mm -hmm. um, and to see what together that we can accomplish. Mm -hmm. And and so what does that mean? Uh, Like what sort of things do you expect from your players? I you know, if that's, if that's something that should just be known, um, what do you, what, what do you ask of your players? You know, does that mean that everything has to be perfect all the time or? Yeah. But, Right. Well, Go I think, ahead. you know, we're not perfect any of the time, yeah. <laughs> but right. um, I, we work hard, you know, and I think the players can work hard, but there's a way to work hard and have fun doing it. And mm-hmm. I think when um, your older players can really show that level of commitment, and that level of discipline, then your mm-hmm. players that come in as freshmen are quick to follow, you know, right. and, and we can just kind of breed that um that dedication to the program and that commitment to success and to the tradition of Maryland lacrosse um gotcha. you know as, as new players continue to come in and so mm-hmm. you know my teams are teams that yeah like I said never perfect but we're going to work hard we're going to do our best um I want my players to have fun I want them to enjoy again enjoy the experience of it I want them to be good teammates and good people mm-hmm. you know be good teammates that can really encourage you know, the other people around them and to make the people around them better. I think that piece is really important. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. So for you, it's, it's all about, you want to make sure everybody on the team is working hard and you want to make sure that leadership comes down from the top and trickles down to the new people. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and for me too, I don't, you know, freshmen, the one thing that, that maybe is different for them than others is they just don't have the college experience at that point, but you know, no one's, no one's going to be you know, treated differently. We need our freshmen to do what everyone else does. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's the standard that we're holding ourselves to and, and it's, you know, just a standard of, of, of excellence of doing, you know, doing the best we can in everything that we do and, and mm-hmm. continuing to, you know, want to be the best that we can. And I think when you can, can work hard and enjoy doing what you do, then good things can, good things can happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, so before we move on to practice, there is one question while I was, uh, you know, doing some research for the interview, I saw that you got a BA in, in speech communication. And I was just curious if that, uh, if that helped at all as a coach, cause you know, one of the, one of the sort of, um, commonalities I've seen from, you know, interviewing coaches on this podcast is that, you know, the, the best coaches tend to be really good communicators. And so I wonder if that, uh, if having a BA in speech communication has helped you as a coach? Well, I, I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> but um, I will say there is communication is so important. I think it's so important in any field and especially coaching, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. communicating with your administrators, your support staff, um, coaching staff players, that's something that, that is a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the public speaking piece too is also a part of it too. You know, you're, you're forced to be out there and, in front of people a lot. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know any different. So I don't know if it helps <laughs> me or not because <laughs> that's just kind of the way it is. But gotcha. um, I didn't enjoy it. I kind of jumped around a lot early on in, in my college uh, days, didn't really know what I wanted to major in and, right. and um, just enjoyed some of those classes and stuff. And so fell into yeah. that and had some great professors and teachers and um, ended up being a good choice for me. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, when I, when I was doing research, I was like, let me look to see what speech communication degree actually is, and I was like, oh, this is this is interesting. I wonder how much this actually, uh, you know, contributed to her coaching philosophy or experience or whatever. But was just was just curious. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about um, how you guys run your practice. If you can, can you okay. walk everybody through uh, a typical in season practice for Maryland? Sure. Um, I typically don't practice more than two hours a day. You know, we try to mm-hmm. try to keep it, it it short, sweet, but intense to accomplish what we need to. Um, typically, after our warm up, um, we get started in some sort of stick work, and we'll do that every day. Um, some kind of um, some kind of stick work, whatever it may be. You know, some sort of a different drill every day with that. Then we'll do some more individual type skills, whether it's shooting. Um, one-on-ones build up to some kind of probably transition activities. And if there's something specific we're looking to accomplish, maybe it's clearing or draws or redefending or double teaming or whatever it may be, you'll be focused kind of in during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we continue to build up, I love transition. So mm-hmm. I love to do some sort of transition activities as many times a week as I possibly can. Right. Um, and then as we build up, we typically end our practices in seven on seven where we're, you know, focusing, you split our offense and defense and, and work, you know, specifically either if we have our middies playing offense, maybe we're putting in an offense or reviewing things there. If our middies are playing defense, um, just kind of preparing to the cohesiveness of our defensive unit on that. But um, we'll typically do seven on seven in season pretty much daily just to 
where a lot of our game is spent. Right, right. And so how how much would you say during the week you guys are focusing on individual work versus uh, versus teamwork? Are, are you guys doing any one-on-one, um, you know, one-on-one individual sessions or is it mostly just done on the field with the team? It's mostly, mostly done on the field with the team. You know, I think sometimes when we get in season, there's certain things that are specific to the player that we're like, oh, we could we could do, you know, a little bit more work with this player, or these couple players, and that may happen for your post-practice. But mm-hmm. um, we don't typically have other times where we're bringing, you know, people out in addition unless it's something that is, is really necessary in season. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and how are you guys preparing for upcoming opponents, um, you know, during the week? If, you can, if we have a game on Saturday, what does mm-hmm. your week look like? When do you start thinking about the upcoming team? Well, um, first of all, my assistant coaches are fantastic and I adore them and think they're wonderful. And we've been together for a really long time and both of them do a really good job um, in preparing for our opponents. And so they'll, you know, spend a lot of time on film and, and figuring out what we need to focus on, what areas maybe are weaknesses that we need to address in preparation for a certain team. And we'll kind of factor those things into practice. Mm-hmm. Um, without really specifically addressing it during practice as this is what's coming up. You know, we will just say we need to work on this area as a team, you know, and just kind of approach things that way. Right. When we'll get specific about pre-game, you know, specifics, kind of scouting report stuff, we'll, we'll limit to the day before um, when we'll do some, you know, some film and discussion and mm-hmm. kind of pre-game practice to just make sure we're all on the same page. Um, as far as game preparation goes for the following day. Uh, why do you guys um, hold that off so long? I mean, I, I know some coaches will be talking about it. If the game's on Saturday, they'll start talking about it on a Monday, the latest, the Tuesday. You guys wait to the, the day before to specifically address other teams. Why, why do you guys do that? I do. Because I, I choose to focus on us hmm. for the other days. You know, I think for us, our goal is to be the best team that we can be. Um, and I want to rather, rather than spend my time worrying how to beat somebody else, I want to be, you know, the best team that we can be. And right. so if we're one game a week, um, which a lot of times in lacrosse, we get going in the season and we're playing two games a week anyway, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, um, it's kind of, you don't have that much time in between, right. but, uh, our focus too is, is on what do we need to do to be better? So we may learn stuff about ourselves from our own game film or even from other teams saying, Hey, they're really good at this. We need to make sure we're ready for that. And right. so we can focus on ourselves, you know, whether it's defending a certain cut or, you know, a different mm-hmm. look inside and we can spend time on that right. um, without focusing on the other team, just really working on it on ourselves to be better at that. So we're prepared in any game situation for what anyone, anyone throws at us. Mm-hmm. And so on that day where you are reviewing the upcoming team, is it is it more on, you know, uh, defensive schemes and uh, offensive sets or is it on individual players? Um, I'd say we it depends on the team. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's it's that's a that's that's hard to kind of answer because it's pretty broad. You know, a lot of there's so many great players out there. There's so many right. great teams. A lot of times it's the easiest pieces to talk about, you know, tendencies, what people, what teams seem to do a lot of, what they're looking for a lot. Um, you know, there's some players whose stat lines may blow you out of the water. You know, what are those players um, looking to do? What are their strengths and, and things like that? But, um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's a lot to take in and right. it's a lot to process for people. So I, I like right. to keep it as simple as possible, but, um, as valuable as possible, as valuable as needed so that we can be successful in sticking with our game plan when we hit the field. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, so how do you, as a head coach, how do you prepare for an upcoming opponent? Are, are there things that you're, uh, are situations that you're visualizing before the game starts? How, how do you sort of think about how, what are you preparing before an opponent for how you're going to respond to things during a game? Well, I think, you know, I, I'm nothing, nothing crazy, nothing out of the ordinary mm-hmm. there. You know, we have a lot of um, just discussions, you know, Lori kind of run our defense and Caitlin Phipps will run our offense and just kind of discussions with each about what we're looking for, you know, what we think may work, what we're worried about, what are challenging me, what our reactions are going to be if this happens, you know, if X happens, then this, if Y happens, then that. But, right. um, you know, other than that, our focus is, again, is on our team and, and what do we need to do better? Where do we need to be better than we were yesterday at practice? You know, what areas do we need to improve in? Um, who needs extra attention in this area or that area? How are we feeling? You know, just kind of the stuff like that, just making sure that we have kind of, you know, a grasp on where we are as a team and, and what we're looking to do when we step out and c- to compete. But again, for me, I fully trust my assistant coaches and I think, um, you know, they're, they're a huge you know, reason for, for our success too. So we all work together to make sure that we're trying, trying our best not to miss anything. And, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of those conversations that go on to just make sure that we're prepared for anything that we could see. Right. Right. I, I, I keep hearing a, a commonality through, through most of your answers and, and tell me if I'm correct. It sounds like, it sounds like you guys focus, you guys want to focus only on the things that you control and you're worrying less about the things that you can't. Is that correct? Well, yeah, because it doesn't make sense to worry about the things you can't control. Right. You know, and I think that's why it's you're going out to play a team and, and you could prepare all day for them to do something, you know, and then they come out and do something totally different. Right. You know, and so I think for us, our approach is, is again, what do we need to do to be better than we were? You know, we face mm-hmm. so many great teams. I think we probably play one of the toughest, if not the toughest schedule out there. We play, mm-hmm. you know, such such talented teams that challenge us every time we do. And we need to be prepared for anything because, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to just translate from, um, you know, a conversation to the field. They're going to challenge you in all sorts of ways from all different areas. And so we just want to make sure that, that we're prepared and we're ready to adapt on the fly too. And, and, um, you know, for, for me too, a big say offensively on, on playing, on being able to freelance, you not being so you know, stuck that you have to go from A to B to C, you know, I want our players to be dangerous from everywhere and, right. you know, and have the, the freedom to be creative and the stuff that we're doing. And a lot of that stuff comes with practice too, that we can really just kind of encourage that so they can see different things and figure out how to, you know, adjust and adapt and, and, to, and, you know, figure them out on their own. Right. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, you know, so, so right now, well, we're approaching the end of the summer, but, um, what are your, uh, what did you have your kids do over the summer? How, how did you have them approach, uh, sort of, um, off season in the summer training? Well, you know, our season ended in final four and I think Mm -hmm. everyone needs some time off after that. You know, I think you need to put your sticks down, you need to take a break and, we all need it. Our coaches need it. You know, everybody just kind of needs, needs, needs a break. And then, um, you know, when it's time to pick back up again, a few weeks later, you know, they'll start with some different conditioning and lifting and stuff. And, um, that's really it. You know, our, our strength and conditioning staff can just put out sort of a summer workout packet that keeps, 
you know, that gives everybody some guidelines. Um, some players that you have their own things that they do or, you know, certain things that they really enjoy. Do your people that love to run and you have your players that don't like to run, you know, and so they all kind of find what they enjoy <laughs> doing and do over the summer. And, you know, our big just expectation is that we all come back in shape ready to go. You know, and, and because I don't want to have to spend our practice time in the fall trying to get in shape. I want to spend it on on trying to develop our team for, for, for example, for this 2018-19 season. And so our expectation is, is that when our players come back, they're ready. You know, they're ready to go. They're ready to 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 play and they're, they're fit and they're strong and they're, you know, in, in shape and, and ready to, you know, and take on what's next. Right, right. And how do you approach that break, you know, the, the Christmas break before before the season actually starts? Is it is it more resum, uh, regimented than the summer? Or do you also sort of expect them after a long fall to, you know, take some time off um, with the expectation that they come back in shape for January? Um, well, the expectation, yes, is that you're going to come back in shape and ready to go when we hit January because, um, you know, obviously we get preseason a lot goes on. Um, the, the Christmas break's interesting because we take a break, um, too, during finals and stuff. So there's no organized workouts for the kids, but there's a lot going on for them. And so a lot of them, they want to maintain where they were from the fall. So they're going to continue to work out and do the things they need to do on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely, you know, when, after the new year, we have about three weeks or so, or four weeks, I don't know, three weeks maybe until, you know, we're able to to kick off practice. And, and those three weeks are a big push for people. You know, you get through the Christmas holidays and there's a lot of time with family and friends. And that obviously should be the priority for everybody, you know, to enjoy that time with them. And, and then you get to January and it's time to kind of kick things into gear and, and let's get ready to play. Cause when we get our team all back together, there's a lot of work to be done. Right. Um, and our players, they they do a really good job of that. You know, it's tough mm-hmm. to start lacrosse in the middle of January. It's not warm. You right. know, it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a challenge. It's a challenge over winter break to get out and run and get adjusted to the temperature and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, knowing that we're going to start preseason and it's a challenging time, these guys are getting out and getting after it to come early right. January. Right, right. So, so a couple of questions on recruiting um, before I let you go. Uh, I got my eye on mm-hmm. the clock, but... Um, so how do you recommend, um, young players today, uh, get noticed? How do they stand out? How do they stand out? You know, I think it's, since the the new recruiting rule has put into place, you know, it's kind of bumped, bumped the timeline back, which has been great. And I think for those early years, there was such, such a stress on people for just that, you know, and to get noticed, to get recruited. And I think, um, I personally think you're never done learning, you know, keep learning, keep playing, keep going to camps and clinics and learning from different coaches and different people and, mm-hmm. and um, putting yourself out there to become a better player, you know, and, and when it's time for kind of the recruiting season to start, when you get a little bit older, you know, you're going to have that exposure, whether it is through camps and clinics, whether it's through your club teams, you know, there's so many opportunities to compete, you know, for club teams and tournaments, whether it's for your high school team, there's lots of, lots of ways to get noticed, but I think, you know, because the rules changed, hopefully that has um, taken some of the stress off of people and they can just really work on developing as a player, you know, as they're younger and coming up. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you have for kids who are hoping to play for Maryland? Oh gosh. 
Um, (laughs) I don't know. That's a tough one. I think it's, you know, advice for anybody that wants to play anywhere, you know, is, Mm -hmm. is a lot of things is, is control what you can, you know, work on your stick skills and, and be as, as fast as you can be a good teammate. You know, I, I think that, um, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And I've seen a lot of games where, you know, maybe people aren't as great teammates as they could be on the field. And I think that's an important part of it. Um, right. I hope that, you know, parents can, can resist the urge to, you know, yell at people from the sideline and just kind of watch <laughs> that because that can ultimately affect their children too. And that's unfortunate, but it happens. And we're just right. seeing it more and more, which, which is, is sad for sure. Um, but as a player, you got to control what you can. And that's, you know, the stick work, the experience, the, the field sense, the um, game experience, you know, the speed, the fitness. And, and again, being a good teammate overall, being coachable. You, know, you want your coaches to be able to say good things from good things about you when they're asked for recommendations. And, right. and again, this isn't just for me. I would think that would be for everybody. You know, you want them to be able to speak highly about you, that you are a good teammate, that you do work hard, that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have, you have maybe what it takes to go to the next level. Right. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, coach, well, listen, this was, this was great. I, I really appreciate you taking the time, but before I let you go, there's one question I've asked everybody who's come on the show. Sometimes it's the hardest question. Uh, oh, gosh. what, what three things, um, should everybody be doing every day to get better at whatever it is they do? It d- doesn't have to just be lacrosse. Hmm. What three things should everyone do every day? Gee. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this is hard, so I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth now, but (laughs) one, I would say, um, be passionate about what you do, you know, care about it, um, enjoy it. You know, I think if you can try to find, um, enjoyment in what you do, if you're doing something and you don't like it, then you need to question, reevaluate why you're doing that. Um, so be passionate about it, care about it, love what you do. Um, I think the next piece is, is work hard at it, work hard at whatever it is that you do. And, um, you know, everybody is, is unique and in their own way and valuable in their own way and work hard at what you do. And I think third, be yourself. Mm. Don't try to be anybody you're not, you know, don't try to just, you impress this person or that if it's not the right thing to do, be yourself um, and always do the right thing. I don't know how many answers I gave you, but that was enough, I think, right? Yeah, that was three. <laughs> that was that was perfect. That was perfect. Um, listen, uh, Coach, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, hopefully we can get you back on again. We'll talk about your playing days, but thanks so much for taking time out of your vacation and uh, hopefully we can talk again soon. Oh, of course. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yavoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Yavoli. You can find more episodes of the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast on this season at thisseason.gc.com. If you like the podcast, please take a second to give it a positive review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports. And if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a traveler club team, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. It's an essential all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents. Game Changer Team Manager is free, it's easy to use, and it doesn't serve ads. Learn more at gc.com forward slash 
team manager. Until next time, keep working and keep getting better.